Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. Welcome to another episode of Responding to Life, Living Reflectively Through a Journey of Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. On today's show, my special guest is Adonica Shaw. Adonica is a three-times TEDx speaker, author, a marketing professional with years of experience in business development and strategic partnerships, and is the founder and president of the Surrender Circle. She has been a weather woman, a Division I athlete, a contestant on a dating show, and she's even run for office. She's a pilot in training. She has survived appendicitis, an appendectomy, a divorce, and the loss of her childhood dreams twice. She fancies herself a bit of an adversity expert and has a long-standing history of dealing with difficult-ish in the face of depression and anxiety. As the author of the book, Depressed to Daring, she discusses the secrets to her success and how she's been able to beat depression and anxiety despite everything life has thrown her way. In parallel, she trains women at prestigious leadership events like the Watermark Conferences about managing high depression, stress, and anxiety in high-stakes careers and the role of self-care and self-love to ultimately sustain professional success. I know Adonica as I had the pleasure of speaking on her podcast, I Surrender, a couple of months ago, where I had a wonderful discussion on meditation and self-care. I Surrender is a motivational podcast that discusses subjects related to wellness, self-care, and personal development. According to Adonica, although record numbers of Americans are reporting levels of stress, there isn't enough conversation about mental and emotional health, wellness, and self-care. Well, today, we are going to add that much-needed conversation and chat and how we can make self-care more manageable and mainstream. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adonica. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Um, happy to be filling up and ready to talk to you today. So I was looking through your website and I was struck by a statistic that you had on there. It said the following, 96% of physicians say self-care should be considered an essential part of overall health, but a Harris poll reported that self-care isn't a priority for consumers because 44% of consumers believe self-care is only possible for people with enough time, and 35% believe self-care is only possible for those with enough money. You have stated that you're on a mission to debunk these ideas, which we even discussed on your podcast most recently. Mm -hmm. You're very open about your personal struggles with anxiety. So I'd love for us to start with you sharing about how you personally manage your stress and anxiety levels, and then how you train others to prioritize self-care and self-love. You know, it's interesting. When I saw that statistic, when we were putting together the content for my website, it stuck out to me because quite frankly, if you had asked me three to four years ago, 
my beliefs around self-care, I probably would have fallen into the statistic of the number of people who said, you know, it's kind of out of reach. It's kind of like a rich people thing. And I hate to put it that way, but because I have taken the initiative over these last couple of years to take a deep dive into my own personal self-care story, I'm now able to see where my own upbringing and who I was raised by, my aunties, my uncles, my mom, my aunties, great aunts, you know, um, how they took care of themselves, what that narrative looked like for them. I was able to see how through their initiative or lack thereof to take care of themselves that I felt or didn't feel at times where it was something that was within reach for me. And so now I've gotten really radical about my self-care practice and routine. And I know a lot of people think that it needs to be something where you're spending a lot of money to go to a spa day or you're, you know, constantly in therapy. And if there's, if there are people that don't have, you know, healthcare insurance, for example, like they probably wouldn't see a way to go to a therapist regularly to manage their mental or emotional health. But for me, I found that it's something that you can incorporate in, you know, going to a yoga class, maybe you get a class pass or a Groupon, or you create your own ritual around how it is that you want to show up for yourself and take care of yourself. So right now, I've been in the process of launching my new startup, the Surrender Circle, and it's all about introducing women to a number of things that they can do to take care of themselves that are radical outside of the box and don't always cost a lot of money. Um, I don't remember if I told you when we were on my podcast, but uh, about a year ago, I went through a divorce. And at that time, as most women who've likely been through a divorce, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to have a wine night. And then when you look up two, three weeks into a month, it's like, okay, I've had a bunch of wine nights and nothing has gotten um, fixed or reconciled in my life. And so I was at Target one night. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a bottle of wine, like find a two buck chuck and leave. But as I was leaving, I passed a stationary aisle and I saw a bunch of pinatas. And I remember asking myself, like, do I really want to drink right now? Or do I just want to get this anger and this pain out of me? And instead of buying the wine, I bought a pinata <laughs> and it started this brand new, um, ritual for me where I was able to kind of get that anger and angst out of my body in a way that made sense for me, that was cost effective for me. So now I try to help women identify ways that they can bring in that level of self-care, whether it's doing something dramatic and getting the anger out or doing something that's quiet and private and mindful, like a meditation session or doing yoga so that they can really show up for their emotions in a way that works for them that's within their budget. I love that. That is the pinata is so radical. And <laughs> just describing that, did you put in any sort of feelings in there or like on little scripts of paper or was it just a matter well, the, of the first night? No. But then after that, I, um, did like a, I am really heavily on Pinterest. And so I did, uh, I found like a color chart that had feelings that correlated to different colors. And so I purchased like the um, tissue confetti and I would stuff the pinatas with it. And so, 
you know, obviously it takes a couple of whacks to really get a pinata to break. And so for me, it was kind of like, okay, my breakthrough moment is going to be around abandonment or my breakthrough moment is going to be around love or my breakthrough moment is going to be about relationships or friendships. And so whatever the correlating color was to the tissue paper, I would just stuff it in there. So by the time I would see it flying out, it's like, okay, I'm breaking through in this moment and recognizing that these are feelings and emotions that I need to get out of my body and to be able to show up for in a real and authentic way. That is so my HOA wasn't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure not, but I love that idea. Yeah. And they were probably so... like, who is this crazy lady hitting a pinata on a Tuesday <laughs> night in the suburbs? But, <laughs> um, but you know, it worked for me. And again, the main thing was that it was cost effective and it was helping me rid myself of that anxiety and that pain, but it also kept me from just reaching for more Chardonnay. This could look very different for for various people. It can require that sort of physical output or it can be quieter and gentler. And the important step there is to really tune in to how you're feeling and what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you've started this surrender circle. And if you could go more into what that entails, is it is it like a support group for women? Um, love to hear about it. So kind of, so, um, one of the things I talked about in my book, depressed to daring were several major life events that I experienced some that were related directly to my work stress, but others, um, about just major events that had happened to me in my life where they were kind of wake up calls. It was like a series of awakenings, so to speak. And by me not really showing up for myself in the way that I needed to, to address my stress levels or to dial it back and be mindful or to watch my diet or to make sure I was getting enough sleep or not take on so many projects, you know, I started to recognize that I had a pattern of like going, 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 brick wall, going, 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 brick wall, but then never having other people, other women, I would say, um, that were equally as ambitious excited about getting into, um, you know, boards and being in positions of leadership in their communities and whatnot. And so I kind of always found myself to be this kind of lone wolf, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that every once in a while, that lone wolf has a lot on their plate and they need to talk to somebody. And so the surrender circle for me started with the concept of if I can get women who are high-functioning, ambitious, interested in entrepreneurship, leadership, or just personal development even, into a room to, A, do some level of, um, I hate to say group therapy, but that's kind of what it is. It's the opportunity to sit there and talk about things that are happening in your particular work environment and have it facilitated by a mental health professional, as well as myself or somebody from my team that would help them go through an exercise where they would get into their feelings, but then wrap up the session with a self-care exercise. So um, starting next year, you'll start to see more of these quote unquote surrender circles attached to a lot of different women's conferences where likely before the um, cocktail hour or whatever it's going to be that, you know, usually happens towards the end of the day one of a conference uh, they'll be able to go in, they'll meet other like-minded women They'll be able to share their work woes, 
you know, maybe we'll all be beating pinatas together. <laughs> um, but the idea is to give women a place where they can get these things out, but then we're teaching them rituals around what self-care looks like. Um, what's really interesting about that quote that's on my website is that a lot of people have this preconceived notion of what self-care is supposed to cost. But I think if you asked five women what self-care actually is, you wouldn't get the same answer in part because you have different women with different life experiences. And so, whereas I decided to hit pinatas, you know, I might have a girlfriend who goes to Aspen or another friend that goes on a hike. And so these sessions are really to help introduce women to other ways to approach self-care that do not have anything to do with alcohol or vices, just a really healthy way to get those feelings out and feel validated in a room full of women who have all signed an NDA. <laughs> um, about their work life experiences. And then again, leaving them armed, leaving their armed with some ritual or routine that they can recreate at home that they can go to if they don't know how to approach self-care on their own. I think that's tremendous that it's, it's a structured process for introducing the idea of self-care and giving ideas on it because you're right. I think there are a lot of preconceived notions about what it should be, how, how much it should cost, what it really should entail. And, you know, and we've discussed at length that there it's different for everyone and doesn't have to have all of these other labels associated to it. And so on the title of your podcast is I Surrender mm -hmm. and you state it's your mission to help other people surrender the things that aren't serving them so that they might also step into their authentic power. And on your podcast a few weeks back, I shared one of my tips for self-care was to let go of labels and expectations so that a person can fully experience life for what it is. In your own life, you've shared that you have personally overcome a lot of adversity and friction, and it wasn't until you surrendered your self-limiting behaviors and self-limiting beliefs that you were able to create the life you had wanted to live all along. Mm -hmm. And I totally get you on that, but I'd love to hear from you what your process of surrendering looked like and how it came about and why you feel it is the key to a successful life. Well, for me, over the course of, I'd say maybe two years, starting in 2017 through 2019, honestly, it was a series of, um, I wouldn't say unfortunate events. It was just a series of life events that I found myself trying to control. Um, so in the spring, or I had to say like winter, spring of 2017, I delivered my third child prematurely. Um, I went in, I was 34 weeks pregnant. I didn't have any idea that I was going to be delivering a baby that day. I just thought that I was feeling woozy and, you know, I was kind of fluffy, but I figured it's like, you know, that's kind of, regular pregnancy stuff, right? If you look fluffy, um, but it turns out it was a condition called preeclampsia and I was forced to deliver that day, which resulted in my child being in NICU for a week. And then um, unfortunately for me, the delivery of the baby did not resolve the issue. It actually escalated it. And within uh, what five days of giving birth, I suffered a mini stroke in my early thirties and had a near death experience. And so that's kind of where it started. Um, 
after that, maybe six, seven weeks after I lost my grandmother, several weeks after that, I had a car accident. You fast forward a year later, I was trying to manage things with my then husband um, financially because we had a third child and you never know how children are going to um, impact your finances. And so there was a lot of stress there. And then on the heels of that year, I ran for office, which comes with its own level of stress because you're all of a sudden thrust into the public eye. You're being vetted. There are people that are going to pass judgment on yourself, your values, your morals, and everything that you've done. That's how public vetting works, right? Mm -hmm. And so, whereas earlier in my life, I had kind of prided myself on being in control and being poised and being this kind of like Michelle Obama, Oprah-esque <laughs> poised <laughs> character that was always so carefully poised and carefully in control in so many different environments, I suddenly found myself in these situations where that persona needed to crack and break off and fall away from me, except I was in very, I hate to say, strong resistance Um as these things were happening, it wasn't till I got to the point where I'm like, you know what, if you are praying a prayer to the universe, to God, whoever it is that you acknowledge as your creator, your maker, for them to create change in your life, to remove the things that no longer serve you, to create a radical shift, you can't be praying for that, but then being surprised when things fall apart or break because you don't realize your prayer might be being answered. But in order for me to get that answered prayer, it required me to give up that picture perfect persona um, and stop trying to race and try to change people's minds. Like, no, you don't really believe that. And I'm this. Don't say that about me. It got me to this place of these things did happen. I'm a work in progress. These are my values. And it's totally okay if you don't agree with them. Yes, I did go through these really difficult experiences, but that's how I am today. And getting to this radical place of acceptance purely by letting go of that mask and surrendering up to be whatever I was going to be in my best and fullest version to the universe, to God, and recognizing that my power was within whoever I was going to be once that mask was off. Because once I did that, I actually started to attract my tribe, my people, my followers, my base, whatever you want to call them to me so much more radically and more quickly than I had by putting on that show. And so when I let go and I surrendered, my prayers were answered. You have an amazing story, Adonica. I mean, it's just phenomenal how you faced all of those challenges and then used all of that to propel you to where you are today and helping others to surrender in their own lives. And when you were just wrapping up this part of your journey, it reminded me of my favorite quote, which I may have said it on your podcast, but it's when I let go of who I am, I become what I might be. And that to me is exactly what you did. You let go of all of those notions of yourself and what you wanted people to think of you. And then, and then here you are today, like you've opened up so many possibilities for yourself. So I think that's, that is just amazing. I love hearing strong female stories like that. And it made me wonder, was there a certain impetus for 
what finally led you to this realization of just letting things go and being true to yourself? Honestly, I think that that happened while I was running for office. Um, I think one of the interesting things that I would say any public figure goes through, particularly that first time they really step out there, is that vetting process. And for me, it looked a lot like, in part, people who were so excited, right? So they're like, oh, my goodness, we appreciate you. We love you. And so they're in alignment with my thoughts, feelings, morals, et cetera. But the other part of it, or I should say the other two parts, is the part of people that don't necessarily agree. But then the third, kind of the outlier part, are the people that don't agree, but vocalize why they don't agree, how they don't agree. They will go through great lengths to write comments everywhere online, right? And during the election process, I didn't check the comments online because I was like, I just do not have the mental capacity for this. But at the end of the race, maybe 30 days after, I went back online and I said, you know, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to read the comments because if there's some piece of learning about what people perceive me as doing or things that I've misunderstood, either through my ignorance, lack of experience, misunderstanding, or quite frankly, just my own ego or resistance, like there's some learning in there that might turn me into a much better leader. And so as I was going through those comments, part of it was recognizing that, oh my God, some of this is true. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh my God, you know, but imagine if your leaders actually went through and read the comments and changed, right? So part of it was that. But the other part of it was reading the things that were so radically untrue that I was like, you know what, if I'm going to get dragged online, whether it's for an election or a position of leadership or my own personal values or whatever it's going to be for me in my life that makes the most sense for me, right? Then it had better be something that is authentic to me. Because if you're going to experience that level of pain, girl, it better be the truth. Because the things that were true, I was able to eat up not so easily at first. (laughs) (laughs) Just so I'm being honest, not so easily initially, but I kept going back. I kept going back because I wanted to see what people thought so that I could address it myself and I could show up so much better and so much stronger for myself and for other people. And by going in there and seeing those things that were radically untrue about myself, it made me double down. I'm like, you know what? This is who I am. Like I will release these toxic behaviors and I will work on these areas of my life. But these other things that people just aren't going to agree with that are not in alignment with them. So be it. This is me. And it just made me feel immensely proud that I could set boundaries around my sense of self at that level in my life. Because if you would ask me five years earlier, I'd be like, Oh God, let's change it. Like they're right. Like, Oh my gosh, the, my position and my mindset would have been to change it, to fit in. Whereas I got to this point by running for office that I wanted to change the things that were going to make me better, but the things that were really authentically me, it made me double down and say, you know what? You don't like me. Oh, well, (laughs) but you know, but this is what it is. I love that. That must've felt so freeing and, and it takes so much courage to do that. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
I think as more women run for office, you will find these stories more readily because I feel like it's probably no different. I, you know, I'm probably no different than other women who've tried it. Um, and honestly, maybe even some men, if they opened up about their experience <laughs> stepping out there for the first time. Uh, but I, in hindsight, think, man, that's kind of radical because you think about all of the calls to our leadership and our communities and whatnot that you want people to change. But think about the world if those people really went and read those comments and they made those changes. And I knew that I wanted to be one of those leaders. And so I surrendered that mask and that facade because I knew I could show up better for myself and for other people. Fantastic. And so you mentioned that you wrote this fantastic self-help book called Depressed to Daring, where you argue that women often miss out on opportunities because of our training. We're told to suppress our emotions rather than confronting them and using them to propel ourselves forward. You state we often shut down because change is scary. We create our own glass ceilings and we become people pleasers. In your book, you share solutions on how to channel your inner superwoman. And I'd love it if you could share three tips on how to do this. Well, tip number one is to set boundaries. You know, one of the things that I struggled with very early in my career and quite frankly, struggle with from time to time, even today, um, is setting boundaries around the things that are within my scope of work and within my scope of energy, you know, and so not over committing myself to things just because I'm excited to be asked and not taking on projects simply because somebody's flattering me and saying, Oh my God, you're the best person for this. Instead of keeping those boundaries up and keeping that time available to myself, if there's a project or something that I really want to invest myself into that I've got that space open. So that's thing one. Thing two is having a self-care routine. Um, For me now, I have a self-care routine in that I have dedicated time every single week on my calendar that's untouchable. That is just my me time. And whether I'm hitting pinatas or... Or, um, and I can't really do it right now, but um, animal therapy, going out and, you know, working with horses or going to a ranch or to a place where they may allow you to help or volunteer with animals. That was incredibly therapeutic for me um, through my divorce process and post-divorce uh, therapy process. And so I have time dedicated that is just purely about me getting into my feels feeling everything that I need to feel, evaluating things, and just spending time alone. So that's thing two. And lastly, the thing is, the last thing is to being open to evolve and to change. Um, I feel like the trap a lot of women find themselves in is that it's like, oh, well, if I don't do it this way, I'm going to let down my mom, or I'm going to let down my family, or I'm going to let down my family line, because every woman in my family has always done it this way. And so while that is completely understandable, I think that there still should be something said about leaving space to evolve, to make sure that those transitions are healthy for you. But as you're passing them on to your children or your nieces or whomever, that they fully represent the ways in which women can show up for themselves in a way that doesn't deprive them of their emotional or mental health. 
So between those three things, I have found a lot of balance in my life and I try to teach others to do the same with those as well. I think those are fantastic tips. Thank you for sharing those with us, Adonica. I have a quick question about self-care as a mother. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself feeling guilty for taking that time out to care for yourself? Honestly, no. Um, And I don't know if this is a millennial thing, but I often run into an issue when I'm explaining to like my mom or (laughs) my (laughs) older um, female relatives why I'm doing it because I think just general generationally it wasn't accepted for women to take a day off. Um, I'm doing air quotes. I know you can't see me, but that's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Um, And so for me to not only be in this mindset of like, what do you mean? Why can't I just be like, I need a day off to go and go and unwind or go and do therapy and then go do yoga and then a paint night or whatever, just for myself. Like for me, I'm kind of of the mindset where I'm like, if I take care of myself, then I can show up for everyone else. Whereas a lot of my mentors and family members, um, they just weren't raised that way. And so me personally, no, I don't typically feel guilty until I have a conversation with somebody else who's asking me, why I would do that because in their words, it's kind of like, we suffered far worse than you and we never took a self-care day. Who do you think you are? (laughs) How dare you? You don't see Michelle Obama taking health self-care days. (laughs) It's like, well, geez, when you put all of the answers, all of the ancestors on my back, well then, yeah, of course, then it makes it seem horrible that I'm taking a self-care day. But that's not the point. (laughs) The point is that even though their generation had it that way, it didn't make it right. So having these traditions in place for myself where I do it unapologetically, I have the opportunity to give my daughter that narrative of it is okay to hold space for yourself. And ultimately, that is what self-care is. It is learning a way to hold space for yourself and protecting it no matter what the cost is. And then when people have something to say, like you obviously have to deal with those conversations, but you shouldn't feel guilty for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the fact that you brought up your daughter, we are definitely models for our children and showing that you prioritize yourself and your care is without having to discuss it even is a great lesson that they're learning from their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, So I always end my uh, conversations with gratitude because I love ending the day with shifting my mindset towards positivity, no matter what happened, you know, throughout the day. So I would love for you as we close up to share a few of your gratitudes from today. Um, Today, I'm thankful to be in a place where I could be 100% honest when people ask me questions, um, it's weird because I've, I, you know, I have a brand team and all of this, and uh, we've had these conversations really within the last couple of months as we've been going through a rebranding overhaul process. And um, I remember a time when all I had during interviews were speaking points. 
And so today I'm grateful that I can have this conversation with you and not be on speaking points that I could just show up and talk to you like a friend. And I know that may not seem like a lot to people, but for anybody that's ever had a very public life, um, that level of authenticity is very hard to come by for people to actually show up for, but for you to actually hear it. And so I'm grateful for that. Uh, Second thing I'm grateful for is that um, during this pandemic, I've had an opportunity to really get reoriented to the things that are really important to me and valuable to me and to set boundaries around those things again. I feel like when, or pre-quarantine, I was just really caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. And whereas right now there's so many people rushing to get back to how things were, I feel like today I'm just grateful that I get an opportunity to draft what my normal looks like and that I've been in a mental state, in an emotional state to really show up for myself in that way. And then lastly, I'd say, um, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to say that I'm grateful that I have been in alignment in such a way that I attracted this conversation and I attracted this opportunity to speak with you today. Um, I am a heavy follower of Abraham Hicks. Um, I followed, you know, I fell in love with the secret and I feel like, honestly, I got really obsessed with it. (laughs) (laughs) I put all of these things in my vortex and all of these things I wanted to accomplish. And that's kind of how life is, right? You have these things you want to accomplish, but it's not until you really get into alignment that they start to manifest in your life. And for me today, even having the opportunity to speak to you is a testament to the fact that I did that hard work and I eliminated the things that were not serving me so that I could be in alignment to show up authentically and connect with you and your listeners in this way. So that's thing three. Can I just say, I love every single gratitude. I just (laughs) connect with all of them on just so many levels. I'm just, you can't see, but I was smiling throughout the whole process of you sharing the gratitude. Thank you so much for coming here today. I'd love to, you know, in the spirit of giving and receiving, I'd love to hear how we can support you and your vision. On my podcast, I Surrender, I have scheduled 10 interviews with 10 mental health professionals. And we are talking about things that um, directly relate to minority communities and not just minority in a sense of race, but also sexual orientation, um, lifestyle, um, job opportunities, where you live in the United States. So we're looking at minority in a multitude of ways, so to speak. But um, if anything, I would want support there. People are interested in listening because I feel like now more than ever is a time for us to show up compassionately for one another and to kind of listen, even if you don't agree Um, sometimes just listening to a conversation is enough to open you up to the possibility that there are things that you may think or believe that could be perceived in a different way. And even that very small incremental step to listen is an opportunity for growth. And so if anything, um, that's where I would want the support to go is just to be willing to open yourself up to conversations that may make you feel uncomfortable at times, but ones that can ultimately lead to a lot of interpersonal growth. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Adonica. And 
I'll be sure to share all of your information on uh, my podcast and notes for everyone to be able to connect with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing from anybody. Thank you so much for joining me for today's insightful and inspiring conversation with Donica. To follow her on Instagram, her handle is at Adonica Shaw and on Facebook at Adonica M. Shaw. Her podcast, I Surrender with Adonica Shaw, can be found on all major podcast outlets. And for more information, her website is adonicashaw.com. All of this information will be in the episode summary and on my website, jayatlurie.com, along with a link to purchase her book, Depressed to Daring. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.